0: A ballad behind bars, or you could say, real rock from The Rock. An unusual
1: musical Russell happening, a happening in a place. I know one of amazing
0: y'all at least is a Russell. The state prison has... I was... I hope I'm not anymore. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for me, that superintendent, man, that superintendent let up in New York so much. He was just like, it was just like a cover your own ass kind of thing. And it was like, I will, you know, it was the kids' fault. Yo, exactly. wait, wait, exactly. before we move on and let this... Guys, this culture
2: canceling
0: God yeah, talk. Man. That guy. I ain't even said nothing. but before we even get to, <laughs> alright, I, I just want I want to focus a little bit on that letter. You were like, oh, that's cancel culture, but well, that's going after the, the super. I mean, that's the way you do on
3: hockey. Y'all don't know hockey because y'all don't know that hockey. You absolutely, we
2: don't.
3: Yo, welcome to the Eight Black Hands podcast. It's a new podcast focused on black folks in education, our 8 million babies that's in, that's black in these schools and not being served. And we want to have a podcast where real black men that deal with this work every single day. uh, We just have something to say and and have some thoughts that we didn't think we're getting out there. Uh, Because we're brand new, we're going to go around the horn and introduce this amazing crew of folks so you can kind of get a better sense of what they do. We'll start with Mr. Ray Ancrum.
0: So I'm Ray Ancrum. I'm a superintendent at the Riverhead Charter School out on Long Island. So I bring a perspective of pro-charter school, although I have worked in public schools. And for me, it's just all about having choice and opportunities for our kids.
3: That's what's up. We'll go to
0: Mr. Sharif el Meki. How you doing, Sharif? Good, good, good. Good to be here.
1: Again, Sharif Elmecki, West Philadelphia born and raised, y'all know the rest. <laughs> um, current uh, principal at Mastery Charter Shoemaker Campus. It's uh, part of a network of turnaround schools um, throughout Philadelphia and Camden, New Jersey. Uh, i founder of the Fellowship Black Male Educators for Social Justice, and I blog on Philly's Seventh Ward. Dope, dope. And
3: uh, a mastermind, one of the masterminds behind this, and probably the reason all four of us even know each other. Uh, Mr. Chris Stewart, who are you, where are you from, and why are you on this podcast, sir?
2: Uh, I am the Vanglorious Citizen Stewart from Twitter. Oh, okay. I will call you that from now on. <laughs> Let's get it right. I'm, I'm going to get you a T-shirt, man. I'm also <laughs> CitizenStewart.org, the blog, and... Um, The Opposite of School podcast uh, will be launching this month. And I'm also the CEO of the Wayfinder Foundation, which is a foundation that uh, runs a fund for women that want to be activists.
3: That's what's up. And where are you from? I don't know. You probably said it, but I think we might have missed it. I might have missed it.
2: I've been in uh, Minnesota long enough to be from Minnesota. Okay. it's been a long time. I actually have been in Minnesota since uh, the beginning of Levert. <laughs> okay.
3: That was a wild <laughs>
0: <up. laughs>
3: <laughs> That's what's up, Chris. <laughs> uh, and my name is Charles Cole III. Um, I'm from Oakland, California. I run an organization that I founded called Energy Converters that uses student voices to improve education and we work with all types of students. I work with kids that come from traditional schools, charter schools, private schools. We don't care. Uh, We basically just want to hear from young people about the the experience they're having in schools from an end user point of view. And uh, I'm on this podcast because I don't think that I hear myself represented a lot when when I'm hearing Black folks talk about education. Um, and that's just that you know that bothers me, and I know it bothers the other folks that's that's on this on this on this piece with us. So thank y'all for being a part of this podcast, and I'm glad I could be here. The first episode that we're shooting happens to be an observance of Martin Luther King's birthday, and I we you know I think that's a fitting date to actually start. But I also want to make sure we go around the horn and just talk about why this day, especially before we do anything, let's let's actually honor the dopeness of a man that. You know, maybe we wouldn't be in these type of positions we in had he not done what he had done. So uh, I'm going to start in reverse order. Chris, you want to start us out?
2: I mean, every year I reflect on this day, mostly thinking through how much we have commercialized the, um, the image of Dr. King. And over time, he has lost his potency and has become flattened like a stamp. And I think it's really we are doing our children, our community, and our legacy a disservice by continuing to participate in the fluffy part of Dr. King and not getting into the heavy part. The fluffy part is the I have a dream stuff. And, and, it, it, and it almost becomes to me an excuse to keep pushing for something that's not coming, which to me is the immediate integration stuff. When we think about education, which is something I spend all my time thinking about and you guys spend a lot of time thinking about, too, I don't think that integration is the primary way in which we're going to get our freedom. I actually don't think it's the way that I think educating our 8 million black children. Is the thing that I think about so on a day like this i'm thinking about Dr King in the practical Dr King he knew how to analyze a situation figure out where the power was. Direct himself and the people directly towards the power and make something happen and that's what I think we got to do in education, we really got to think it through and be more practical. And for me, the most practical we can be is to think about teaching and learning instruction, starting schools, building schools, thinking about pedagogy, scope and sequence. These are the things that are practical that I think actually will free us.
3: Okay. Well, maybe I should have made Chris go last, but it's all good. Sharif get to go after.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I think some of the, I was online, we were, uh, You know, talking about this a little bit, but, you know, this idea that Dr. King wanted revolution, not reform, something that we've talked about before, right, in in education, that he preferred socialism to capitalism, that his belief about uh, white liberals and and, uh, certain parts of black middle class will work against uh, poor black people, uh, that he was targeted as a threat. Um, demonized by the mainstream press that today as as Chris described you know falsely praised him and flattened his uh, his legacy to make it more more digestible to them uh, mentioned that his dream became a nightmare and that his uh, you know that he understood the importance of international anti-colonial solidarity um, his anti-war his anti-poverty stances Um i think are still extremely relevant to today but that's not what we hear about we hear about you know the dream and um you know i think anytime you can tell how how far his his legacy has been co-opted when you know you got the this administration even if it's two seconds standing in front of um, his monument is uh says a lot
3: uh ray what does this day mean for you brother I'm just taking it all in because,
0: you know, if you're on the media, you see how much uh, Dr. King's legacy has been whitewashed. Um, as, as the two gentlemen said prior to, I mean, Dr. King was a was an activist, man. and I, Like, he, he talked very candidly about white folks and their role, you know, in, in, in poverty and in oppression. And I feel like, you know, for us to not continue that, it's kind of like a, a stain on his legacy. So, you know, I'm, I'm here for it, you know. I'm here to talk about you know all the things that that we need to accomplish by using education as that platform. Plus, you know when when they were doing what they were doing, you know, they were they were more so going for like civil rights. So they were they wanted white people to be civil to them. They weren't even going for equal rights. I want equal rights. <laughs> like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm about equal rights, man. Like I don't want nobody to be civil to me, man. I give like, a damn you like me or not. I want equal rights, bro, and, and, and I want equal rights for our kids. I want them to be able to, you know, have the platform to learn the way that they need to learn. I want them to have the resources to be able to learn the way that they need to learn. And uh I, and that's that's what it's all about for me. Um, You know, they make this argument about, you know, separate but equal, you know, and then, you know, it's a whole thing of like integrating school. Like our kids can- Yeah, like, so,
3: right. Yeah, Ray, you you cut out. Uh, we don't. We don't have to all chip in the pot and get you a microphone, brother. You was. Um, it's all good. You <laughs> was on free, bro, like Doctor Free. Yeah. In a minute there. Uh, yeah,
2: but he was but, making uh, a good point. I just I, yeah. I, I, I want to say about his point. Um, you know, he was going into Malcolm X territory. Mm-hmm. Malcolm X basically said it's about human rights, not civil rights. And he was he was starting to split off from the civil rights thing and say what we want actually is human rights. So I think that's where you were going, Ray. Um and I think that's interesting. It was. It, you know, I'll say it's interesting because why don't we celebrate
1: Malcolm X's birthday? Uh, you say Malcolm when X's you breakfast. say we, you mean like nationally, right? Right. Uh, yeah. No, that's not yeah. I me. Mean. There, yeah, there's yeah.
2: no Malcolm X prayer breakfast, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Why well, you know no why? Four air breakers. Why? Why? Why, Cole? Tell me, tell me. Come on, man. Because he wasn't. I mean, that that by any by, by any means necessary. That that scares a lot of people, man. I think that part of the reason that white folks wanted Martin Luther King's birthday to be the one that we celebrated is because they get to double down on his message of nonviolence, hmm. uh, and that's usually what a lot of white folks point to. I mean, as I weave into my answer around what the day means to me. I just reflect a lot. I I reflect on, I just remember being a kid and almost having like white teachers, like, you know, put Ma- Martin Luther King above Malcolm X because he was nonviolent and things of that nature. And I I mean, I studied them both. I, I mean, I grew up kind of feeling Malcolm X just a little bit more and I was young, you know what I mean? Like, but that's partially because of the reason that you said the I got a very whitewashed version of who Martin Luther King was. Um, and that's, what we pay a lot more attention to. Um, but they was both murdered. So I mean that that's a cold awakening for any like young black kid that's thinking about what he wants to be in the world. Uh it's also my dad's birthday on January 15th. Uh the day we had you know, that we acknowledge Luther King, but that's his actual birthday. So I think about that a lot. And I think the other thing that I just see and that bothers me is I can't have no more white folks explain to me who Martin Luther King was. Like I just Oh my god, yeah. I can't do it and like you know, and like I, I, the lectures that I get on social media and sometimes in crowds when there are white folks there um, and they're trying to make a point and, and they just lean on Martin Luther King real, real hard. And it's just uh, it's just real interesting to me, man. That's always crazy. So that's how I look at the day.
2: They do it with Martin Luther King. They do it all with the, time. the NAACP. Now they're doing it with movement for black lives. It's like they, they build a talisman. They build their own black talisman and then they pull it out on you when you're making a point they don't like. Mm, right? Mm. What would Dr. King think about that, right? I don't know y'all killed him, right? Right.
3: <laughs> right. Yeah. We, we can't ask him. We can't ask him cause y'all killed him. Right, right. But I mean, but I think that that actually goes into the next piece, right? Like when we talk about integration and, and rights for everybody, uh, two of y'all wrote some really moving pieces uh, that that talked about you know integration in some roundabout ways and uh, and that, that's both Sharif and Chris. So can we start with Brother Sharif actually telling us about the article that he wrote and just a quick synopsis of what you covered?
1: Yeah, sure. I, you know, a, a part of the and I'm not against integration. I just you know I just stand firm in this idea that and a lot of the uh, folks who uh, are pushing integration above Anything else. And not only above anything else, not like, like it's even right where they're saying, oh, integration first, second uh, step, second part of the plan is is uh, great black schools, it's this propensity to imply, if not explicitly state, that you know, black children can't achieve unless they're in integrated schools. And you know, I was you know, I just felt compelled to to reflect again on my experiences as a child. We're coming right off of a uh, Night, where we get together with our former teachers at Nthamu Sasa, which was an all-black African school, um, pan-African school, uh, freedom school in Germantown section of Philadelphia. And so I was really reflecting on that, you know, like they had never heard of the idea that uh, there's no such thing as black excellence and that you can't achieve at high levels if you're in an all-black space. And so it was just you know I reject so did that they notion. Say that?
3: Did they? I mean, tell me what these people said. Like, did, did they actually come out their mouth? They said people
1: are basically saying that the only way for black kids to achieve is to be in integrated spaces, mm. which means that there it's you know, and the black families that I speak to when they are are when they do choose when they exercise choice and get to places that are majority white. What they talk about are resources. They never talk about like, oh, these teachers are are excellent and gonna be better than any anywhere else. They don't talk about how uh, oh my children will be emotionally, culturally, and intellectually safe. They don't say anything about that. What they talk about generally is, hey, there are, there's more resources in those particular schools. Right. And so, right. you know, so the, so when you think about that, when you talk to these families. That means that there's another, a counter-narrative as well that, you know what, in all black spaces, there'll be into, there's a thing called black intellectualism in our youth and our children that will be celebrated and honored. There will be a communal feel that will be celebrated and honored, that our students will be spiritually and culturally safe to be black, to be proud of who they are, to, to understand the legacy that they are, are building and so that's what I was really reflecting on uh, my experiences at Sasa, and I've written about it before I talk about it because a lot of I'm still in touch with a lot of my classmates, and we're actually trying to you know really document some of the some of our experiences, uh, mm-hmm. which we believe are still relevant today.
3: And so, so I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off.
1: Yeah, no. So I mean, basically, the, the the title was was pretty much in the essence of like, if you don't think that there's such thing as black excellence, or we, you know, you're tripping. <laughs> And I think, right. you know, a lot of these people are tripping to, to even imply that you can't have excellence in all black spaces. I think it's so absolute ingestion so of white supremacy.
3: Yeah, so I want to stay on this a little bit and I want to bring Chris in, but before I do, and Chris, you can just jump in right after this part, but what was the reception of that article? Like, what were people saying? Were people pushing back on you? Were they like, yeah, like, black excellence is real? Like, what was just, when you put that out into the world, what came back? Yeah, I mean,
1: the people who've, um, you know, responded or, you know, tweeted out are basically affirming that, no, you know what? There is a thing called black excellence. and It's a long legacy of black people, um, whether by force or choosing to, you know, educate their own and do a damn good
3: job at it. Mm. Chris, I I, I mean, Chris, you got a lot to say about integration, like since I met you, like. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, what are your thoughts about integration? And then, you know, Ray, you you up to bat? But but I'm I'm curious at what you think, uh, Citizen Stewart.
2: I feel like it's one of the things that we get off on the wrong track on. There are these things in in life. If you want people to never really find the truth, you get them talking about things that aren't going to get them there. And I think it's a big distraction to keep talking about integration. Does anybody on this podcast or anybody listening to this podcast think that we're on the horizon of about to have fully integrated schools? Oh, never. No. Does anybody think that we're even like one year, two years, or five years out from having a perfectly racially balanced system of schools where all you know kids are in schools that are mixed up? Do we think we're even five years away from that? Not in
1: systems. You'll no. get a pocket here or there.
2: Right. So we're not even close to that. Why are we talking about this so much? Mm. Why is it dominating? So why is it sucking so much air out of the room when Mm. we know that there are other interventions that we need to be paying attention to? Like who's teaching our kids, how they're teaching our kids, how they're being prepared to teach our kids. What are they teaching our kids? Where are they getting the stuff that they're teaching our kids from? Right? Where are the experts? These are all the questions that Black people need to be answering. But here we are talking silly stuff about you know, rebalancing entire school systems so that there's no dominant like race in any school, knowing that that's not going to happen anytime soon. It's not that I don't think it's a good conversation to have. I just don't think it's a good conversation for educators to have, because I think it allows them to not be thinking about the things they should do tomorrow.
3: So what's the conversation, Chris? I mean, like, what? so if if we take that conversation away from them, what's the conversation we replace it? I think it's kind of what I was just saying. I mean,
2: educators are supposed to be about the system of educating children and, and learning and having outcomes. How do you do that? There's scope and sequence. There's curriculum. There's pedagogy. There's, like, science behind doing what you do. There's experience. What is the experience right now? You all are closer to being educators than I am. You guys have been in the classroom. But what I, as a parent, what I want to know is that you all are like doctors. You know what you're talking about. Right, mm-hmm. and and you've got some something under your belt. I don't want to hear about wh- how great the world's going to be when you get all the patients in the hospital sitting in the, in in the same room with each other. I don't want to hear that. What I want to hear is how are you guys advancing the field of teaching black children?
3: Mm.
0: Ray. So for me, I look at it like this. I look at it like you know, it's a it's an individualized prescription as to like what you do with each child. So. You know, when we're thinking about the here and now, you know, we do diagnostics to find out where a kid is, so that we can meet that kid right where they are. And so, I feel like by doing that, you know, even speaking as a classroom teacher, when I was a classroom teacher, I met my kids where they were. And so, by meeting them where they are, where they are, you can then take them to where you want them to be. And that's by having high expectations and being realistic with them about where you want them to go. And also, you know, I feel like, and a lot of research points to this kids from kindergarten to third grade, if they have an African-American teacher in their space, those black kids are more likely to go to college than if they don't have a, a person to look up to that looks like them. And mm-hmm. I feel like we definitely need to center on that. We need to get more black males in the classrooms. Uh, we need to, you know, we need to really try to motivate and activate those types of things with these HBCUs. I mean, like that's what they're there for. Like that's what some of them were, that, that's, what, that's why some of them became schools, you know, when you think about it. Uh, and so not to tap in on that, uh, that, that resource, I think that we're doing ourselves an injustice And then also, we got to think about how we can make teaching sexy again, man. Like, I mean, you know, all these people want to go into, like, engineering. They want to go into, like, all these money-making fields and stuff, you know. And I get it, but it's like teaching is kind of like that seed for, like, all those other professions. Like, once you're able to get one good teacher, then that's just, like, life-altering.
3: So, I mean, so what I'm hearing is that we just – a whole bunch of black dudes that hate integration. That's what, so. No, that's not, no, man, that's that's not, not true at all. That's not true not, at all. I'm yeah, teasing, I'm joking. I know not, that's not what way <laughs> But I think that's how, but this is the thing. I think that people that don't, that, that want a reason to not like us will kind of land there, right? So like, here's how I think about integration. It, I basically agree with what y'all said. I don't, integration should not be the goal. Like the goal shouldn't be integration for the sake of integration. Like the goal should be, Making sure we're educating black kids in this country better. Now, if one of the pathways there, you feel that's integration, let's make an argument about that. But in the in the conversations and arguments that I hear, especially when I hear and have conversations and arguments with white people, they lean on King and they lean on integration. And they when they do that, they forget to mention that oh, in a time of of, of being fearful and wondering what he had did. King himself told Harry Belafonte, I fear that I may have integrated my people into a burning house. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. so so the foremost like advocate for integration, right? Like is like, no, y'all got my my idea around that wrong. So what that means to me and this is just me speaking for me, is I don't think that I, that integration is bad. I don't think that if my kid is sitting next to a, a white kid that something inherently bad is gonna happen. What I'm saying is, if you think that the goal is integration, if you think that just by being able to put my kid next to somebody that's white, if you think deep down, but you don't wanna say that the only way that black people can be great is with they got a white rubber stamp on them, then I vehemently disagree. And that's usually, I feel like when people like us hear integration, I feel like we hear that definition more than just like you know um just like oh harmonious black and white together like i, I just don't yeah. I, I don't think better has to be less black but we, we still on this topic i want to make y'all can jump in but i, I just want to make sure i want to say something about it you
2: did make sense um i i want to say two things one i went through my email from 10 years ago over the last couple of days because i was clearing some stuff out mm-hmm. and it, it shocked me and this is going to shock y'all too um, that when I was a school board member, I was completely an integration dude, right? 100%. <laughs> I pulled out one email that I wrote somebody saying um, something very close to integration is is the only way. Um, and, and I was pulling out statistics and I had studies and I had forgotten that I was this dude, that I had been this dude like a decade ago. Two things happened on my pathway. A couple of things happened on my pathway. Number one, I was that dude and I was fighting for integration And I ended up having to fight um, white liberals Mm -hmm. (laughs) at times. Like we had some situations where we're going to move some students around and it caused all kinds of havoc. And I was surprised by that. I was actually really naive about the fact that I thought they would be with me and they weren't. So that was one thing. The other thing was I had black families that were like, Chris, that ain't our ultimate goal. Like that might be what you want for our kids. That might be what you, but you're supposed to represent us. And, right. and some of the folks from the black side of town, this is in Minneapolis, were like, that's your dream, right? Good for you. That's for you and your family. But we don't want to be bust out to the suburbs. We don't want to shut our schools down. We don't want you dispersing us. And and that was new for me because I, I actually was, I want to say somewhat of a, a, a fundamentalist. So I, I just want to clear my name. When people hear me talk now, I think they think I'm like preaching nationalism, and I am not right? i have an integrated family. My kids are in an integrated school. It's an integrated, we're in two different schools. Both of them are integrated. I got multiple kids. They're integrated and failing. <laughs> so I want to be clear about this, right? We got everything people are supposed to be talking about. We got veteran teachers. We have an integrated schools. Our kids are in integrated schools. They have all this kind of like, they got resources and they're failing, right? Mm-hmm. And their test scores are bad and, and, and they're worse for kids of color.
3: Wow, I mean, and, and Selmaki, we're gonna let you take us home on this one, but I want to, Ray, what are your final thoughts just on this topic of integration before we transition? You know, I just want I want black black folks to
0: believe in themselves. And so therefore, you know, you don't need to be in a white space in order to feel validated or to feel like, you know, that's, you're intelligent because you're next to a white person. I feel like we have our own genius and we need, to, we need to build on that. Like I, I wouldn't mind seeing some freedom schools pop up. I wouldn't mind, you know, I wouldn't mind even running a freedom school, to be honest with you, or uh, a, a school likened by, you know, black fraternities and sororities and whatnot based on their principles or, you know, things like that. But, like, things that, ideas that are, like, well-equipped and assist that, you know, is well-funded. Uh, we're going to have uh, people in that space that look like the kids. Uh, uh, the staff is going to be representative of the student body and, and things of that nature. But uh, I'm, I'm definitely willing to put, put my mind in, and put my might into, into something like that.
2: Ankrum, if you start a freedom school, the Stewart family will donate $1,000 on your day of opening. I just wanna put, I'm just putting myself on record right now. If you open a freedom school, the Stewart God. family fund will write you a check for $1,000 on the That's first day you right. open. Of-
0: that's, That's what's up. Fun. man. I
1: appreciate that. Talk that talk. Talk that talk, Chris. Uh, <laughs> I, I, sure. Hold me accountable. I'm, come, I'm, you know. I, I'm hey. doing one for the summer, so can we get a percentage from there? <laughs> to find, go to summer freedom school and start sites. You know. So wait, 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 I'll,
3: wait, I'll, wait, I'll, wait. Before, you, before you jump <laughs> into <laughs> that. You're doing? Wait, wait, wait. Y'all, we are about to get way off topic.
0: I want to if this is on topic. If you if you're doing the freedom summer school, hit me up with the info. I want to come down and teach. All right. That's what's up. Cool. That's
1: what's up? Yeah, so, I mean, and just I, I. think we in any conversation we have to center black children. We're talking about the the eight million. We have to center those eight million. And I think one of the most important things for for our youth is is one that they develop a positive racial identity. Just understanding like how they're bombarded that they are you know lessened and given messages that they can't achieve. And not just outside of the schools, like inside of classrooms, inside of materials, from teachers and principals and staff members' mouths and actions. And so, you know, we just have to recognize, you know, families who do choose integration, all power to them. I know for a fact uh, that many of them are grappling with how to protect their children in hostile environments. Mm. Not to say that every integrated school is a hostile environment, but it's something that we can't ignore. As educators, as families, as community members, as activists um, and advocates for children, and so I think you know one of my you know priorities. It's not that it's not a you know integration isn't you know isn't something that's part of the overall strategy, but my priority is is protecting the vast majority of children that will never make it to these mm-hmm. integrated schools. They will continue to be sprinkled in when they're allowed to. And so what happens to, to the rest? They're not coming to, to integrate. You know, you're not going to hear a whole bunch of white kids being sent by their parents to an all-black Sare or Overbrook or any other school in, in you know, uh-huh. north and west Philadelphia. So I think that's, uh, you know, uh, if we are integrate anything, I think a priority from my angle is integrate these resources. Mm. Integrate these resources make sure that there's equitable funding. Which means as, as Pennsylvania's legislators will say, well, we don't want the the white districts or the affluent districts to get less money than they had before. Well, if we're talking about equity, they're going to get because they have someone else's, uh, you know, amount. So right. that's that's my perspective.
3: And y'all can go catch that article that Sharif wrote. It's called "If You Think Excellence Can't Exist in All Black Schools, You're Tripping." It is on his blog, Philly Seventh Ward. You should go there and you subscribe to it so you can see all the dope stuff that he writes about. Uh, as we transition into the next piece, I do want to just make sure because there are some black folks that do really believe in uh, in integration, and they reading some of these folks that talk about integration, and some of them have said it's not that I believe that. My kid needs to be next to whiteness to in order to be dope. It's just that they got the resources. So if, if my kid go to that school, that means I'll get the resources. And I think that one day we should do a different topic. But there are a bunch of schools here, even in Oakland, that are, quote, unquote, integrated. But when you look deeper in that school, the school still segre- self-segregates inside of it. And black kids are still not getting the resources that are so rich for everybody else in that school. So I think it's having a real conversation about where we end up at you know, when we talk about integration, because the last time integration happened, it led to all of our teachers being fired and us never recovering mm-hmm. from that. Mm-hmm. So as we go on to the next topic, um, you know, Chris is, is is somewhat our firecracker in this group. I I, I, I <laughs> learn a lot from Chris. I would say Chris and Ray represent. A spectrum of just dopeness, but it's that in that dopeness, it's rather loud, right? It's it's, it's like a subwoofer on their dopeness. So,
1: <laughs>
3: so Chris wanted to address the folks that called him a privatizer, an industry shill, uh, somebody. Uh, somebody called you a school board member. A white lady called you a whore. What did she call you?
2: she called me a paid whore you paid whore i, wish I was you... like i was like you know are you sure you're not talking about a prostitute because like we, whores do brother, it for free had... <laughs> i'm telling you no. <laughs> no they
3: get paid too but we've had okay. to. But at, right. at any rate
2: you, any you, rate.
3: you paid whore yes. uh you wrote right. something and you wrote something that was called basically the problem What you calling us out can you tell us what you wrote in the general topic around money and education
2: So the topic is just around how we continually, as black folks in education advocacy, I'll just say, whether it's reform or charter school world or whatever, are constantly called out for being funded by the Waltons and Broad and, 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 you know, billionaires, basically. And, And the way it's always framed is we're the tools of the billionaires fighting the proletariat. Right. Like so all the people on the other side, the unions, the teachers, the people that show up in red T-shirts at, at meetings and, and march are the good guys and we're the bad guys. And what really like spurred my situation was there was a story that came out on Christmas Eve in the um, the AP and it was by a, a reporter named Sally Ho. She had called me and talked to me about the war in the black community over charter mm. schools And and I thought the framing was just ridiculous. It was all wrong. There was no war. But she wrote this story. It came out. It had a whole bunch of people, you know, sending it around. It had Andre Perry calling us escorts, like, you know, saying that we're like escorts for the Waltons and whatnot. And I was like, listen, I know a thing or two about the money that goes in on the other side. And I think I should write about that. So I did. I dug up, you know, I I actually wasn't going to write a blog post. I just put it on Twitter. I started pulling up. All the information I had, and I had databases of, like, all of AFT's grants, all of the NEA's grants that they give out, all of the AfroTurf organizations that look like local black organizations that are seriously funded by, guess what, billionaires and unions. So I actually just built charts and graphs and put it into a tweet storm and, uh, and just put people on blast.
3: So... Raise your hand if you saw uh, this epic Twitter rant uh, that one citizen Stewart did, Ray. What was your thoughts on this on this epic Twitter rant from uh, our good brother Citizen
0: Stewart? I mean, you know, it was it was eye opening, man, and it was it it was it was so organic in the sense that you know it, it just it touched on everything that needed to be touched upon, um, and he did it in a way in which it wasn't like it was. It wasn't like it wasn't like he was beefing with people. It was like he was just he was just putting it out there in order for people to digest it and do what they want to do with it, right? And so you know, it, it, to see some of the things that are happening on the other side, and to see some of the arguments that they have about you know funding for choice and funding for all these other things, it's like yo, you're getting funded too to do the things and say the things that you're doing. So it's like I really don't take what you're saying seriously because it's kind of like. A lot of y'all, when the money was good on one side, you were on one side. And then when the money got better on the other side, then you switched over to the other side. So it's like, wh- who are you really?
3: You know, well, what do so you, like- you mean by that?
0: What do you mean by that? So that's a pretty
3: nebulous statement, Mr. Mr. Ankrum.
0: All right, cool. So Dre Perry was once funded by uh, Citizens Stewart, and he was funded by uh, Howard Fuller, uh, and now he's being funded by the other side. So it's like, how, what, who is he? You know like like what 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 are we supposed to believe like he's is he the expert from charter because when he was in charter he had shit schools so I mean I don't, I wouldn't look at him as being an expert from that is he an expert from his his ability to analyze policy like I, I, I don't I don't know and he's not a person that I would have quoted in that article I would have found somebody else that had more receipts well, when she say size, to,
2: this is one thing I want to say she talked to Michael uh-huh. Gomax. She talked to Dr. Lomax from the UNCF and didn't quote him in the story.
3: And That's why I, is that significant?
2: It's significant because I think she she quoted lower level people, but she was writing an article about all these big black organizations that take money from the Waltons. And she talked at length with Dr. Lomax. And the reason I, I bring him up is specifically this. There is no more towering figure in black education world. He has raised a billion dollars for college for black kids, Right. I'm sorry. So, how so, much did so, he, raise? he he oh, has 40. raised a billion dollars for, for to, to send black people to college. So so a lot of black people can say a lot of stuff about education. They can't say I've raised a billion dollars to send black people to college. So mm-hmm. how do you interview somebody like that <laughs> and then quote me <laughs> and quote Andre Perry like I love myself, but I'm not like trying to feel myself. I didn't raise a million a uh, billion dollars for black children. Mm
1: uh
3: sharif what do you what are your thoughts
1: yeah i mean i i, I appreciate it man especially like you know and it's, it's things that you you know inherently that like yo like you're you're being funded like so you know <laughs> talking all this smack about what i'm doing for black kids and, and some of you some of the folks who talk trash about you know like people who actually are proximal to the work doing the work inside of school they're not even in schools but they talking trash about how you've funded to do the work like it reminded me of this joker in um who, you know, we brought a, a thousand black men together to talk about, you know, how to improve the work as black male educators. And he was actually telling people, telling black men in New Jersey, oh, don't go there because they uh, they got Walton money to to uh, sponsor some of the conference. Is this Keith Benson? Is that Keith? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, name Keith is. Benson. Yeah. He's and the so,
2: president of the teachers union there.
1: I mean, but I mean, such a cornball, like what Walton paid for was to bring (laughs) to bring black men in. So there are black brothers who are down south with low income, you know, as far as their their talent. But we still wanted their voices in the room. So we paid for their flights from North Carolina, from Oklahoma, from, uh, you know, from Midwest. Right. We paid for their flight. That's what Walton money went to. And so for him to be telling people in Jersey, I mean, they came anyway. But it's just like, you know, it's, like, it's corny. Like, what do you do, bruh? Like, you're telling them not to come to this, you know, to this, this organization, this summit, for as, you know, as black men. Don't build with those black men because they purchased plane tickets from Walton Money. Like, it, it's, it's so corny, <laughs> you know? And we appreciate that people came anyway. 35 states represented, 1,100-plus people um, came out. That was right. amazing. And, like, and, a, and I, I went there and it was, yo,
3: I just wanted to give you props The the it was it was dope. I, I think the speakers were dope. I think the events That's that right. we did is just growing. And, you know, and, and I'm glad that 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 it happened. Uh, Ray, I know you want to jump in. Go, go ahead, good brother. I paid for my fight.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I, I for well you're, life, super, you're a superintendent bro so we're we not we're not giving yeah. you know a scholarship I mean? the scholarship is for the young you know we we Shit. brought up college they said students you budget, yeah, they they said, said you got a budget brother yeah they said we got a budget
3: fam <laughs> <You> <laughs> we what brought what up said. college
1: students from more <laughs> from different hbcus but, but
3: superintendents were not on but, but here's but here but here's <laughs> my I flew, thought right. i flew down but and then from long island Come on, man, get on that train. (laughs) Yeah, Ray, it was a hop, skip, and jump for you, Ray, bro. I live in Oakland, son. Anyway, so, but I guess my thoughts on it, it it just brings up other questions for me because people have said something similar to me before. And I'm just like, well, whose money is okay? Which billionaire is it okay for me to get my bread from, right? Because, like, because I thought that we liked the Microsoft dude, I thought he was super liberal and we loved him. And then, when he funded something you didn't like, then he became evil. I thought people loved Michael Bloomberg, you know what I'm saying, super like Democrat, right? But then when he funded something you didn't like, it became a problem. But then Soros, who's super, you know, liberals, funds union stuff, and his money becomes okay. But this, like, so I just don't know at times, like whose money is okay. I mean, secondly, you know, the way that I think about it, man, I've heard Dr. Foley say this a lot. Like, if you're giving me some bread, you can say everything you want. Like, if you helping me serve what I need to serve, you listen, if George Soros hit me right now on the hip and said that he was going to support energy converters, I'm hopping off this podcast and I'm going to have a conversation with him because I got an organization to run. You know what I mean? So I just think that, like, we got this issue where we be counting people's pockets, but then we not, like, putting in on nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are the same people that used to ask their mama for McDonald's and she'd look back and look at you and say, "Do you got McDonald's money. So I'm trying to serve black people do you have served black people money? Like, I I, I just want to, like, where where should we be getting that from? So, so then, Chris, you know, you kind of did this whole like, first off, if y'all haven't read uh, Chris's Twitter rant, you should. Uh, Chris, you got to turn it into a blog some kind of way, even if you just he paste- did already. Oh, he did? Okay. Where he just what if we just paste all those, like, those, those tweets in there because uh you you uncovered a lot of money and basically what you pointed out was if I'm a whore everybody's a hoe. like if I'm like if, if that's the case cuz every what what basically what I saw Chris do is every single education movement regardless if it's far left far right and everything in between can be traced back to some billionaire handful is of that billionaires you heard? Mm. yeah you know
2: you, you know the thing that we're interacting with every day it all points back to money It'll all—all all of it. No matter who you're interacting with and arguing with, you'll eventually find out. And, and what people like to do to us specifically, and what we let them get away with, they like to pretend that it's just on our side, right? Mm-hmm. And we let them get away with that. I don't know what's why. Our what's our side. What's what's the side? Like what's what's the side of people? The side of people who aren't running from words like choice, right? Mm-hmm. Like 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 they, they 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 want to be able to say everybody who gets this money and says that they want to privatize and they want to call everything we do privatization or whatnot, we want scorched earth for them. We don't want mm-hmm. them to be able to get jobs anymore. We don't want them to be able to prosper in any way. It, it's a strategy and a tactic, but it's one we shouldn't play. I mean, like, so, so this dude that went after Sharif, uh, Keith Benson, right? We don't ever do the forensics on this thing. This dude comes out and, and hits me on Twitter saying, I'm a sellout. You just, so we busted you, you know, you got Walton money, you're from the sellout section. And he did the same thing to Shavar Jeffries, and he did the same thing to Howard Fuller.
1: He did it to Ed Locke, too. He did it so to Ed Locke. Locke.
2: He does it to everybody. So this is what I uncovered. I uncovered, number one, that this dude went to an all-white private school, right? For let's just start
0: schools. there. is this start for high school.
2: I don't care what it was for. He All went right. to an all-white high school. I got a picture of him in a sea of yeah. white people. Looking, yeah. not, not looking like the Afrocentric brother who's on Twitter now, but looking yeah. like a dude in Get Out, right? It, it looked like Get Out. And, and come to figure, find out his father worked for, like, 50 Can or something, right? Which is funded by billionaires, right? So, dude, you went to private school. Your family made a choice. They sent you out of Camden. To go to private school with the Quakers, and you come out the other end from a white university and a white high school, picking on black people online about being tools of the man, right? But
3: whoever calls that out, who says anything? I mean, you—you you, you right? sound like Eminem and 8 Mile right now. You know what I'm saying? You're talking about <laughs> Clarence. <laughs> and Clarence has real nice hair. <laughs> this is the ultimate and Clarence story. story. This is and even the brothers bad. that come out. It's Afro-centric,
2: Afrocentric, right?
3: And here's what I want to say, though, right? Because I I do believe in choice. Like I'm not mad at you, at your parents for sending you to do what it is that Neither they mind. sent you to do. It's not now. That that Neither you know what I'm saying? Because but, and I think that like, but they were afforded that right to make that decision for you. So why would you take that decision away from other people? Yeah, but see, I think that that's a part. That's a part of choice that we don't talk about enough.
0: So, like, if your parents made the choice, like, it, it's, it's kind of like, you know, zip code schooling. Like, if you are able to afford a place where, you know, there's a really good school in that place and you can afford that, then you have made a choice to that's live right. in that area. That's right. And so when black folks that can't afford that make the choice to go to a charter school, that's their choice. That's right. And so, therefore, I don't feel like we're doing enough with respecting people of color, by making the choice to say, I don't want to do the traditional public school thing. It didn't work for me, which is why I'm in a position to where I'm at, working three jobs to stay above levels of poverty. I don't want that for my kid. I want better for my kid. I don't want the same shit for my kid. It's a Mm. low-cost choice. It's a low-cost choice,
2: right? Not everybody can do what that brother did, right? But, 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 you know, I also want to say I wrote something today. I couldn't really think of any civil rights leaders that sent their kids to public school. So, so, so uh, <laughs> Dr, Dr. Martin Luther King's children went to private school. They they integrated a school that had been all white, and it became a very diverse private school. Uh, Malcolm X's daughters went to white private schools, right? That's where Betty Shabazz sent, sent sent the daughters, right? Jesse Jackson Jr. Guess what? Private schools, right? There was a story that came out a few years ago about the the Congressional Black Caucus. The majority of them sent their kids to private schools, right? Hillary Shelton at the NAACP, who traveled the country talking about choice was bad, had three kids in Georgetown Day School in Washington D.C., right? <laughs> I can't name Keith Ellison. Keith Ellison is the closest thing. In, in, that that had been in Congress to Paul Wellstone. You don't get no more progressive and left of center than Keith Ellison, private school students, right? He did charter and private schools as a matter of fact. So I'm like wondering, is it just the poor that we tell that that, that choice is bad, and then we get elected and we do exactly what we do we we make ourselves hypocrites,
1: right? Look, don't, listen, the the bottom line is, you can only have the school choice that you can afford. Bottom line, that's their, yeah. that's their, that's their policy. That's their practice. That's, that's what it. they run on. Like, you know, quiet is this kept. You know, like you look at cities like Philadelphia, you know, less than 40% of the teachers are putting their kids in, in the public school anyway. Wow. Less than 40%. So, like, you wow. can talk all the smack you want. You can wear all the red you want your kids ain't going to the schools that you claim that you stand for.
2: You know what? They found that in Chicago, too. They found out that Chicago yeah, I mean, public school teachers it. actually.
3: But I mean, but I think a lot, I mean, progress. but that's but that's the point, though, right? I think that, like, I mean, I love listening to comedy. Like, Chris Rock or uh, Kevin Hart, like, all of them all have a, a, a joke about their, now private school kids, right? Like, that's and their right. kids get thought, right? Because <laughs> right. Of Every single special, they're like, you know, I, I dropped my kid off at this private school. I'm the one who went to public school, and there's always a joke about public school. I mean, this is the thing, man. Wherever you want to send your kid, that's what's up. If you want to, like... Oh, yeah, it, definitely. To public school, do what you do. Like, I don't have a problem with that, but I think that where we tend to step in and have issues and people peg us in certain type of ways is we say, look, I just want to make sure that if... And if ain't nobody serving these kids well, or they worried about what's happening at, a, at the public school, get these, get these parents the information, the access, and the data, and let them choose. Like, if, 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 if what you're saying in your system is so much on the way to being fixed, you shouldn't have to dupe people or threaten people to keep them in your system. Mm-hmm. Like, there shouldn't be word of, like, the charter schools is draining from the traditional schools, like, because ain't nobody making these people go to charter schools, right? Like, these people actually has extra steps involved, and you tend to be on somebody's wait list, and what happens? what do you need in order for there to be a wait list? You, get, you need people that actually wanna be in your school. Definitely. So I mean, so so when we talk about those things, right, and I'm also, and, and listen, if a charter school is trash, then I'll say a charter school is trash, and I'm not for nobody, yes. I don't that's, care. That's
0: super exactly. cool. And I think that that's one of the things that kind of differentiates me from like everybody else. If you screw up at a charter school, I'm calling your ass out. If you screw up at a, a traditional public school, I'm calling your ass out. You screw, a, a school, your ass out. you screw up at a parochial school, school, whatever. I'm calling you out because that's that's what I'm here for. Like I'm here to call people out or not <laughs> sir, not servicing kids the way that they need to be serviced. So right. I'm supporting
3: that you said that. So yeah, you talk that you're talking cancel culture. He's cancel uh, culture
2: in one man. I mean, listen,
3: man. <laughs> that, that, this is Ray. Keep that same energy, Ankrum. Okay, that's his new name because he kept the same uh, energy. And as we transition, this is Ray's topic. So we both wrote something about uh you know the black church black religion as in regard to black education and so we'll, we'll start with ray uh before we transition into my article so ray what did you write about where can people find it and what's the major takeaway so i don't think that mine's kind of so actually like when you
0: wrote your blog on on uh the black church education mm-hmm. i kind of it kind of stopped me from writing mine Why? but an article came out I, because I didn't want to have overduplication, and like all all these other things. When I wanted it ain't, to be able we, to write. brother. Me and you think
3: very differently, brother. You write <laughs> yeah, what you write, P. You are absolutely <laughs> correct on that, yo. Know. I Ray you a big pack and I'm a whopper, bro. There um, you go. I, fine with me.
0: <laughs> all right. So what? So what? So 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 uh, what I talked about was 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 John Gray, and just the whole idea behind the super church. Meg, I'm sorry, the mega church, and that being on the back of the parishioners. Um, it, so it really didn't tie into the whole education piece per se. So you know, I know I got a couple good. So Christians. we should skip it then. Oh yeah, yeah. We, we, we probably should, And uh, let's try to be controversial, because yo, I. I, <laughs> I mean, I don't agree with
3: you. it. I, I I went back and read it. I don't really agree with your article, but I I get your point. But I mean, okay. So what about my article? Did you not agree with, sir? I just I, I got this thing about counting people's pockets, like I. So I, I didn't count. Ca- I didn't. I didn't count his pockets, sir. You well, did. wait a second. Don't get
0: defensive. Let them
2: answer you. I, tell you. Okay. So so tell what, you. Yeah. So, wh- wh- what yeah. was the problem? What was the problem? I
3: think it wasn't. Listen, I think Ray is a is a super smart dude and a great writer. I think Ray sometimes we taking topics that ain't really got much to do with this topic, and he takes on this task. Of like digging himself in a hole and then trying to dig out, right? So it's like, like <laughs> this is what the like, this is what he should be doing with his money. And he built this on the backs of people. Like this is the thing. I don't know how he built his bread off. I I don't know how he was able to buy a Lambo for his wife. I know that he he got his church, but he also got books and production deals and stuff. But I don't have enough information. But. I, I always, the same way, I don't want people telling me to, what to do with my kid or my money or where to send my kids and stuff like that. I just got to keep that same energy on the other so side. So a question
2: about this. Question. You ain't got to go to not, this. You, talk, you, talking you talking about a pastor? You talking about a pastor? Okay. Yes. And you talking about a pastor who bought a, a Lamborghini
0: for his... Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Um, um, with
2: with Jesus'
0: money? Exactly. And, and you, <laughs> well, and you don't was, have a problem. Exactly. Wait, wait, wait bro. I just know? want... That's, just, just, that's, that's, that's the thing with these black people. That's the thing with these black folks, man. Yo, I, I tell you what, if y'all if y'all caped is hard for, oh my, for I'm not cool caped doors, if y'all caped as hard for keeping these kids safe, educating these black kids, as y'all do for these goddamn super <laughs> mega wow. church Wow these mega church uh
3: uh, uh charlatans. So when and, did it become capable to say I don't have enough information? When and, did it become capable to say I a don't second. have so I'm, I'm enough okay. information?
0: So, so let me so ask let me ask him this question going, though. You got uh, he had a Lambo for his wife. That's what you're he got, telling me, right? A Lambo. Gave a Lambo to his wife for cheating on her.
2: Now now Charles, you know that information, right? For <laughs> cheating
0: on her, he gave a Lambo to his wife because he cheated on her. <laughs>
1: Look, and you
2: know and that, but right? I'm, but I'm,
0: but I'm, I'm counting I'm counting as possible. Did he
1: now.
2: say
0: that?
1: So- I'm sorry. I'm I'm you know, as a Muslim, I'm not like familiar with what's going right. on, but did uh he he said that? Or I she said that? that?
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. All I'm saying is listen, all, all I'm saying is I can't trust Ray's facts in this, this moment. Out, and right, if so you so listen, 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 look, and, and when, look, and, and if you go, Ray is getting dragged on his Facebook post. I just want y'all to know Ray's Facebook post is up to 50 comments of drag Okay. It's just like cause, cause he be making some reaches, man. Like Ray. Listen it all. no Chris not, You cannot not be making it rain with Jesus' money. I don't think that that should happen okay. I don't think that, that should happen at all But, but I reason think the preaching
0: No, it was no reach The reason they why I got re- dragged <laughs> I, I got dragged because, because, because Here's what I did I knew I intentionally tagged certain people Because I knew that they were going to react <laughs> And so therefore The first comment that you see is from a preacher's daughter Like so of course she's going to react that way And I was expecting her to react that way So then when she hit me on the side And we were having the, the conversation And she was like yeah, you know, I should take the you should take that post down. You should take I'm like, nah, I want it to be there. I'm here for that. That's what I'm here for. But but, and you,
3: you like that. So this, is, this is the thing, right? This is why I don't re- This is why I don't react to Ray, right? Because Ray wants the reaction. Ray is the Dennis Rodman ever for him right now, right? <laughs> like, he wants to agitate and push and he wants to be frustrated the way like everybody else is called Malone and he's Rodman, like that's just what Ray do. So no, I don't have a big, all I'm saying is give me the facts and then we can probably from there. So what I, I'm gonna just tell you what I wrote about the church, which was, (laughs) Can I can't give, give you a fact, fact first? Can I give you a fact give, first? Give, give me your facts,
0: sir. Oh, so the, the fact, give me your Ray here's fact. fact. <laughs> here's the fact. This is not a Ray <laughs> fact. This is an actual fact. And most Ray facts are actual facts. <laughs> All right. So the church, the church, the church that he I'm signed, church signed church with, because he's, not, Ray he's Ray no back. longer he's, he's no longer a preacher, he's a goddamn pro athlete. So the church that he signed with in South Carolina has afforded him with a 1.8 million dollar space to live. Who the hell needs a 1.8 million dollars space to live? And you're living in South Carolina. Like, who? What? What person in your church is going to be able to live in your neighborhood? Well, I think well, that's the point.
3: Actually, I, well, and and I mean,
0: but, and, and that's but, why you moved to that neighborhood, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man. You know, oh all right, Ch-
3: Charles, take it away. Take it away. I, I, don't, I don't, I don't know that dude. I don't know his situation. I don't know the situation with his wife. Like, I just, I just don't care. Like, it ain't my church. You know what I'm saying? I, I just, I just don't. I just, I just want you to have. Like, that's a lot of energy for, bro. And you, you entitled to that. So I when wrote did you write? About,
2: when did you write? I
3: wrote about the role that the black church used to play in mm-hmm. education that we haven't been playing. And mm-hmm. I wrote about like the underlying, uh like dotted lines that used to exist between community, black folks, these systems and the way the church used to play the mediator role. And when I and I grew up Baptist, but I but when I grew up my my the Muslim church was super involved, uh Baptist Pentecostal, all that stuff. And <laughs> it just seems like we our black church institutions, at least in Oakland, haven't been as involved as they once were. And y'all I think got, uh, that... Y'all
2: got a Muslim church?
3: I've never in been Oakland? to one of those. I got to come back out to Oakland. Not, <laughs> not, a, not, a, not a Muslim, the mosque. No, we we um, love your mosque. But, we're just yeah.
0: teasing
3: you. Yeah, but, but, but see, the neighborhood that I grew up in was ran by Muslim folks, by the, by the Bay family, right? So, like, the Bay family is, like, a major uh family they they ran into some hard times later on but uh them brothers kept us in line like they would be out on the street every morning on our way to church um i mean they just were there leading and it put pressure on our black churches to like yo the muslim folk the brothers out here what are we doing right you know what i'm saying and i think like what the church used to represent though was a space a neutral space that people pr- respected where the church would be the mediator between these systems and these folks. And that hasn't been happening. So they would break down what happened at school board meetings. They would bring in the superintendent or the local principal or whomever so that them and the community can work things out in a respectable manner. And uh, we just have been absent. It, the black church has been absent in all the stuff that's happening in Oakland. Uh, for context, for you folks that's listening, Oakland is, is facing a strike. Um, there's a lot of issues going on in Oakland education. And like always, people don't have facts and they come right before something's about to happen and they'll be like, okay, this is what needs to happen, right? And it's like, nah, we, this has been building up for 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, right? And so how do we get people involved and how do we get like our church to be gatekeepers again? So that's what I wrote about. Yeah, I mean I think it's
1: important like the just the idea of faith-based institutions and their connections to school. And I, I agree with the same thing with the, you know, the the Muslim community. You know, for a long time, um, you know, Muslims, you know, uh tried to find independence in in schools and and build their own schools, but there's it, been a growth in Muslim children in public schools, but I, I don't always see that same come out like bring that same energy, bring that same right you know, understanding and knowledge about, like, what's happening, um, particularly around policies and things like that, until something specific happens to, you know, a child. What I would love to see is faith-based institutions playing a role that they um, used to play and just be a much larger presence, um, you know, because it helps with accountability for, you know, for who's parachuting into our communities saying that they're educating kids, you know, like, and so, Without that accountability, you know, today for Dr. King's birthday, I was uh, had the honor of being uh, award, receiving an award, accepting a reward, an award on behalf of our school by a local church that's not too far, you know, down the street. And when I got to my school 11 years ago, one of the first people who reached out was Pastor Damon Jones, mm-hmm. you know, and um, he's still at the at the uh, Bible Way um, Baptist Church, and I'm still at as shoemaker. And so, you know, for an investment to be able to go and see so many of my students in the congregation. And I know he would hold me accountable if he heard that, you know, there was a policy we were implementing that oppressed um, kids, you know, whether in this congregation or not. And I think that role is extremely important for our um, our, our faith-based institution leaders right? in whatever religion that they are. Does he, um... drive,
0: does, does he drive a limbo?
1: Uh, no. Uh, he does it. <laughs> he does it.
0: <laughs>
1: Ray, I mean, what's, what's going to happen this? when you get your Lambo, Ray? When Ray
3: get his Lambo, you're gonna hide you hide it? You're gonna hide it? First people. of
1: all, with Philly streets, nobody's driving a Lambo with these jacked up, you know, streets <laughs> up and, up in, in our cities. So, you know, that's that's what.
3: Meek Mill got Lambos, B. But go ahead. Uh,
2: so, what I wanted to say about <laughs> your guys' pieces on, on I don't know about that on the churches. This this mm-hmm. is my thing. I think they make an easy target because I think we we forget that the church is people. The church isn't a building, right? And and in the Bible and in and in in our religion, we believe that the church is the people. I, I think people should look at someone like Rich, Rich Stearns wrote a book called "The Hole in Our Gospel," and in that book, he is talking about if everybody in if, if every Christian tithed what they're supposed to, like what the Bible tells us to tithe. We'd have like billions of more dollars to be able to do kingdom work with, right? When the church You talking in, about like
1: people in poverty though, like at what level are people in poverty supposed to be receiving that those and what are they supposed to retithe
2: it? Listen, I, I go you go to a church every week. And, and, and first of all, every church that you know puts out in their bulletins what they're behind on, how much money they have, what they need, with the mortgages, all that stuff, right? And okay. over a period of time, especially with new people and new interests, first of all, millennials aren't going to church as much as they used to. Gen X, my generation started that, going to church less. And when they do go to church, they give less money to that because they don't have money for that. They got money for Starbucks, right? So everybody wants to be like a, 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 a part-time Christian and go and get their little like spiritual wash on on Sundays, Mm -hmm. but the fact of the matter is we're not joining things that we used to join, that that people used to join, including block clubs, neighborhood clubs, PTAs, all those type of things, the things that people used to join, they don't do anymore. But then they go back and they criticize those as being outdated organizations when they don't even show up as like helpers and volunteers and everything else. I I, I saw um, um, Killer Mike today talking about how this today shouldn't be just the day of of celebration every year. We should stop having celebrations is kind of what he said. Christmas, Easter, all of that. He said should, all of those should be days of service, right? And I thought to myself, who's going to do that? It sounds good, but I mean, we you host certain things. I don't know if you have had this situation. I could probably fill up my house this weekend if I told people that there was going to be beer and ribs, right? If I told him that we were gonna make hundred sandwiches for the homeless, I bet you I get less people,
1: right? I- I'm just saying. You need you need a new circle of friends. I could I, I, could, be- I figured you was gonna I sell could real, I I could re- my house up. Uh, I right. said what we're gonna do I Tell them. You know what I'm saying? Uh, my is re- not, re- not as big my as friend, yours, sir. so like it's easy. <laughs> maybe, maybe I got maybe I got raggedy
2: friends. Maybe I got raggedy friends, but I could tell you this much. Churches are hurting. I spent a year looking at church finances because we were trying Mm -hmm. to help certain churches start banks. And I you right right now their finances are not messed up simply because the Creflo dollars of the world are buying jets. They're they're messed up because people like all of us have a, a less firm commitment to showing up to things and to paying the price. Right,
3: but if, but I don't know. That's because of Khalil Della and the Jets. But, nah, I I don't think so. I think I mean, if you if you don't like church, th- I think that that just feeds into you not liking it. And I think if you a devout Christian, I don't think that you pay no attention to it. To be honest with you, I think that like. Fair but I don't on. want my point to get lost. Right, my point is not just around like a church or, or your affiliation or whatever the case is. And and while we're talking about bread, let's just be clear. First off, the Mormon Church is worth forty billion dollars. The Catholic Church is worth $30 billion. Like the Church of England is worth $7.8 billion. Like, like the biggest landowner on the planet is the Catholic Church in the Vatican. Like let's just, when we're talking about religious institutions and they and their amount of bread, like they they rocking with a monster. But secondly, right, my point is more about like our like a critical social justice framework around like who we should be leaning on. The reason why I wrote my piece about the church is. Schools were not, are not the reason why I am where I am today. Schools are not the reason why I'm getting a doctorate degree It's not the reason why I have leadership skills or any of that stuff. I developed those skills with intergenerational mentorships, which we don't push no more. I did that with other like organizations like the boys club. And I did that with my church. My school played a small role, but these things have to work in concert. And I think that what we've seen and what I've seen just working with parents in Oakland is that we've pushed out those other things. Like, we ain't talked about the why. We're not talking about, like, what your church can do. We're not talking about building mentorships. We're putting all our faith in schools that don't work. So the same way y'all advocate for charter schools and you work and run charter schools, my theory of action is like, you know what? The school is one out of four tentacles. And if the school is struggling, then I need to lean heavier on these other places. So the first place I gave a speech was at church. The first place I learned how to meet was at church. The first place I learned how to write for a purpose was at church. The first place where I learned how to be disciplined was at the boys club. Like school was like, I just feel like we put in more faith in schools and less in our people. Cause I agree with you, Chris. You said the church is people, and so is school systems. School systems is made up of people, too. You know what I'm saying? Everything is made yeah, up but of the people. Church
2: is, the church's job and the school's job and the role of the the why and all of these, I think they play a well-rounded role in the life of the child. I think you're brilliant for bringing it up because we don't ever talk about this out-of-school time. Like, out-of-school right. time, what does a community do for its children when they love right? it? A loving city? A city that loves its children, what does it do? What does it look like? Tell me a city that loves its children and I'll tell you Uh what's happening for them when they're out of school, out of school time. That's brilliant. And I think Uh you should become an evangelist on that point because most cities are rich enough to do good things for their kids. There are Mm -hmm. so many things like museums and and, uh, um, arts things that kids will never see in their own city. The own city that they live in, there's parts of it they won't participate in. I think you're brilliant for bringing that up, but I do want to say this much, school is where you're supposed to learn certain things though.
3: Right? Church you're supposed, supposed to learn to. certain things. Yeah, you're supposed to, but listen, go ahead. I, I, I go, Cause I, I want to come back on that point, but I know Ray wanted to jump in.
0: All right, so, all right, so I, I, don't, I don't want
3: my previous context to be
0: misguided. I learned how to read in church, right? So like church has played a significant role in, in, in my development. My Sunday school teacher was a special educator uh, in, in, a, in a school district. And so we said all of the strategies that, that she used in the classroom were strategies that kind of enticed us to become like learners. So, you know, it, it was like we had six days of school because when we were going to Sunday school, like she had she lesson planned uh, and she was a preacher's wife. So she lesson planned and like all these other things. So, like, we had like a, a 45 minute lesson. Every Sunday, uh, that was carefully thought out. Uh, it played on our strengths, uh, and, and it, it, it engaged us. So we had homework. Uh, we went home, you know, we had verse, certain verses that we had to that we had to read. And because her, we had to match her energy and, and, and match what she was bringing to the table. Like we would dare come in and not do our homework prior to uh, a Sunday school. So because we wanted to, you know, we wanted to shine when it was our turn to read. Uh, we wanted to fill a certain way in, in the church, and I think that you know during the summer because you, Chris, you spoke to the things that the community is doing uh, outside of school. Now we have vacation Bible school, mm-hmm. and so you know we we came in and from from eight to twelve. You know I remember my grandma making the sandwiches for for the whole church. You know, and I think for me it's not so much as I have animus towards the black church. It's probably being self reflective. I've lost my way, mm. and so. I gotta find my way back.
3: That's what's up. See, look at us bringing souls on this podcast. This is the wrong type of podcast. But, 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 and, and Sharif, I it's see not, you. It's I want, not
0: the, It's not
2: the wrong type of podcast. It's not. It's never wrong. I don't want you like like. I didn't say that, Evangelist Stewart. i rushing by Jesus, right? See, I'm you just I'm be never, rushing I never by see Jesus, this. right? Right. This brother is want having a moment about the Lord. I brought the topic up. You brought it up, but then you tried to run from you it when these, your brother was you coming see these back home. go ahead, Chris. Oh, let's open he the, the doors, brother.
3: Open He's the door. Coming back, he is, uh, he is saying the thing that we the all should be Chris, let me open let me let me
2: tell you let me tell you why this is important. Because <laughs> what he just said was, I actually got to the point where I'm not putting it on the institution anymore. I'm putting it on myself to reflect. Yeah. All of the power is in that statement. All of the power you can possibly have is in the statement, I am reflecting about my part in it. And that will save schools, that will save education, that will save communities and families and black men. That is the most powerful thing that comes to it won't save schools. It won't save schools. It, it will save, brother, it, brother, in, in the Lord, all things are possible. Absolutely. Don't get me started. Do I not agree. get me started. Just, you cannot be talking about the church I, and talk about it won't save things.
3: I, what I'm saying is, I'm not putting my faith in a school system that's been failing Black people for the last fifty years. That is put in fifty. You know, fifty? I mean, it, it's more than that. Fifty? <laughs> it's it's more than that, but I like having a nice round number. Okay. So going go seventy-five. So the point, but but the point that I'm making is is that, and I'm not talking about like I'm not saying this is like this is a super thing for the for the church to live. All all a church pastor has to do is get on, hey, we gonna have our church open on this day, send somebody from your school district to talk about A, B, and C. You know how I know? Because I've done a whole bunch of events and I did them at churches, right? Like, and I don't care if it's at the mosque, the synagogue, or wherever, right? But the point is, is that you talked about putting our faith back in our people. We talked about integration and not thinking that black excellence can come in a room full of blackness. What I'm saying is, our community folks, which includes our churches, which includes these organizations, like I need to lean on them more to make sure they're doing right by us more than I'm gonna lean on a system that don't love you, that don't care about you, that's about to strike and tell you that it's for your own good, while your kids ain't got nobody there to watch them. When I was involved in the strike, when I was at Westlake, a kid got stabbed. We had over a month of it, uh, it was like over a month of a strike. And when they and they would yell at our at our um at our subs as they came through. And then I remember like this kid got stabbed in school because we was just basically in a class with nobody in there. And so like, mm. what responsibility do we have for our own people? I am not, re- this school system is not responsible for me or the kids that I build and bring into this world. And if I keep wanting to believe that, if I wanna keep believing the promise of integration, if I wanna keep believing what these white women that run these unions are saying, then that means keep putting my, my, my faith in a system that don't work. But if I love my kids, I would be a damn fool to leave them at the whim of a system that don't give, but that don't care about them sell mecky i didn't want to curse what you want to line. so
2: <laughs> right that's well, my well, point well, what about building your own, point? Charles? you said what what about building your own system though i like, was the point I, I was support,
3: you something. I was support school. something you see i was some sub- schools which one i'm gonna tell you so yeah. i'm gonna tell you so basically what i've so i worked i came into the field as a social worker not as a teacher and so as a social worker we knew that we wasn't in control of a lot of stuff. So what we did was we, we we coordinated a lot of things and actually did full service around the student. So I try to do those same things now. So I teach parents how to utilize their community uh, to make sure that they're wrapping their kid around services. I, I teach them how to communicate in the language so they can Hold schools accountable and push schools forward, but I also teach them how to push their church, how to push their neighbor, how to push all the folks around them, and like make Devante the center of like her education world and give her the confidence as a mom whether she has graduated with a PhD or dropped out of the third grade on on how to be the quarterback for her kid's education. Because Will Smith just talked about this, the fault versus responsibility thing. We can talk about the fault. The fault is racism. The fault is a whack education system. The fault is... Black people want to cozy up to white folks and integration and stuff. But I'm not their responsibility. I'm not a racist responsibility. I'm not a school system's responsibility. If my black church say they love me, regardless if I'm Muslim, if I'm Jewish, if I'm white, if I'm agnostic, right, how do you show love to a community? And if one of the biggest things that's hurting us, losing homes and education, then I think that our churches need to fill those gaps. Or you can get your tax money back.
2: No, no. See, you are not to take money from Jesus, but what do, you say, say- what, what, do you, what do you say to the intersectional folks, the ones who say, like, it's not about church.
3: I don't go to church. I don't, I'm not, don't a, I'm not a believer at all. What, what do you say it, to those folks? It doesn't have to be that, right? So in the framework that I built, it's 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 four. There's school, there's social ties, there's intergenerational relationships, and then there's organizations that support blackness. So the way in which that like one, if one is faltering, let's say the school and you hate church is faltering, then your social ties and your mentorships gotta be higher. Like it's it's a formula that you kind of have to tweak, and it's not a one-size-fits-all, but in your repertoire. Because so many of my of my black moms that I work with, my mom herself put all her faith in a system that didn't give a fuck about me, right? And so like crying, they told my mother who was a felon that if if she used the wrong address to get me into Berkeley High, she would go back to jail. That's and she cried, yo, and like I saw her crying, and she don't know to this day that I saw her crying so much so that the next day I played it off like I didn't want to go to that school. I said I'll go to the school across the street. You know what I'm saying? But that is the sign of a woman who put all her nuts in a basket of education and of a school. And that ain't where I got it from. Mm -hmm. I got it out the mud in these other organizations. Like Midnight League basketball in Oakland saved me on a whole bunch of occasions because it gave me something to do, you know what I'm saying? Between the hours of seven to like midnight, right? So I didn't want to go on that diatribe of that rant, but what I'm saying is we can't talk about community responsibility and blackness and all this stuff and we not willing to hold our black institutions accountable. Oh, I know no, 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 you're wait, struggling wait, together. Wait. Real, quick,
0: real quick, real quick, real quick. I don't mean to throw a monkey wrench into this, but this is. Yes, you do. Super. Yes, you do. Let's just be. Yeah, that's all, you go. That's right. I'm gonna read the I'm same right? I'm, 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 I'm gonna read a. I'm gonna read a tweet to y'all right now, and I wanna. I wanna just gauge y'all's response from this tweet. Okay. okay. So this is. This, so, so we coming up an hour too. So this is gonna take us out. So <laughs> wrapping right. our. Okay. Uh, so it says, <laughs> looking like Nick Stanman and the Covington Catholic students were treated unfairly with early judgments proving to be false. Smeared by media, not good, but making big comeback. New footage shows that media was wrong about teens' encounter with Native American, at Tucker Carlson. This is from your president.
2: Okay, oh, that's from Who's your president. president. That's, yeah,
0: <laughs> this is from your president. No, no, coming no, no, to the, from aid. Come, 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 come the aid of the Covington Catholic students. Man, you know how many of our students get 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 it on a daily basis? This dude has never come to the aid of anybody black, what, what, any black like, who expects him to. You like you, You're exactly not surprised, you like you but damn, it's not. Matter of fact, I don't, we I don't. Can, I don't I don't want forty-five writing for
1: my kids, no matter what. I don't thing. either. I, I don't want him saying nothing about my kids no what, for anything. Just he can keep all that yeah. right over there where he keeps it. You know. But this,
2: but this is important to me in in one very important way: is you got to see the criminal insanity of how obsessed they are with protecting their young, though. Right? They 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 make these kids turn from white. They whitewash this situation so fast because they love their people in ways that nobody else understands. Like white loves white. White loves white in some ways that the people that they have dominated don't love each other, right? Right. And, Which is and why you I can have videos of our young
1: people doing stuff. they protecting and we, the ideology, not the kids, though. That's what I would say. Oh, that's true. So, that's true. I, would say that, yeah, they, I don't think that, you know, like when you just look at, like, I, I think, one, America as a whole does not love kids. They don't even love their own kids, right? Sandy Hook uh, showed that. That's true. Right? So it's really like they are in love with a particular ideology. That's true. um, That they will, they've been protecting for, you know, centuries. And they will continue to try to. And that's, you know,
3: part of our work. What's your final thoughts, Chris? My final thoughts is that,
2: like, what we're doing right here is the thing that I think can save us. Which is just people coming together, talking, and having, like, fellowship around the ideas that matter. The intellectual development of our children is the thing that we should rally around no matter what. And I'm glad that we are doing this and we need to keep doing this and get other people excited about the real issues. Not the issue of the moment that pops up on Twitter, but the real issues, the intellectual development of Black children, 8 million Black children.
3: That's what's up. Ray?
0: Man, this was powerful for me, man. This was my couple of Jesus moment. I'm thinking about getting back active in the church so thank you fellas for that um but more than that um you know this is just powerful man like you got people from like all walks of life that are coming together to advocate for black kids and you know it's it's something that needs to be done everybody needs to be doing this like this is the cool like this is dope so
1: Mackie. Yeah. I mean, I would would say the same thing, like, you know, for you brothers, man, I've respected your work for, you know, a really long time. And um, I appreciate like what you put in, you know, for me at the, at the end of the day, it's a, you know, as Chris said, that those 8 million black children and just like the deep love that we have um, for them and that how we have to, you know, the, the advocacy and, and the protection that they deserve and we are responsible to provide um like we can never let up you know no matter what uh
3: and thank you for that uh my final thoughts are pretty similar uh for the folks that listened to this and felt some kind of way um you can feel free to reach out i love to have conversation with anybody um for the folks that listened to this and felt like it was long overdue thank you we felt the same way um this has been the eight black hands podcast. And just for some clarity on what Eight black hands means it means that it's four brothers that were standing up for, for, for black students uh, and ready to have conversations that folks wasn't ready to have and to protect those folks or people could catch these eight black hands. I mean, it's pretty simple. And, uh, but with that being said, thank you all for joining. Uh, we hope that you continue to tune in. You should be able to find all of our Twitter, uh, all of our Twitter tags and ways to get in contact with us in the description. And uh, we will see you next time. Peace.